Ice hockey? Ice hockey. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Ice hockey. Not field hockey. As far as I'm concerned, that's the only kind. Yeah. But, well, uh... I went to school in upstate New York, and that's all there was. And Hey there, folks. Welcome to the State Tax Show. This is Matt Hunsaker. Today, Beth Sositka and Angela Mealy join us for part three in the interview series, Women in State Tax. It's going to be great. So this is the third in what will hopefully be a long line of episodes highlighting women in state tax. If you happen to have missed the previous interviews, go ahead and check out the show notes, and I'll put links in there for you. For this episode of Women in State Tax, I sat down, virtually of course, with two phenomenal tax policy experts. Beth Sositka, Tax Director of External Tax Policy at AT AT&T, and Angela Mealy, Vice President of State Government Affairs and Tax Policy at the Motion Picture Association. Here is our discussion. Beth and Angela, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. I'm really excited to hear about your experiences in state tax. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Matt. We're looking forward to it. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing some of your time. I know it's quite valuable, but I think that a lot of people are going to be very interested in in hearing about your careers. But before we get to that, I think we need to learn a little bit about both of you. So, Beth, why don't you uh, kick it off and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you went to school, kind of give us the, the quick biographic sketch. Oh, well... I live in the beautiful, quaint town of Clinton, New Jersey, which is sort of the western, more beautiful side of New Jersey towards Pennsylvania. I've always lived in New Jersey, uh, and I went to school at Rutgers University. I went to the business school. So New Jersey through and through. Yes. I'm a Jersey girl through and through. And what did you study at Rutgers? I went to their business school, and I studied accounting. And there were really only two classes at the time, one individual tax class and one corporate tax class that gave me a glimpse into the world of taxation. The rest we kind of learned on the job. Beth, you uh, shared uh, what you've been doing during COVID. Can you tell us a little bit about your new hobby? Well, this is something that I actually found surprising about myself because I never really had thought that I had any artistic ability. Um, But once at the Hunter and Art Museum that we have here in town, they gave some painting classes and I took them. This was about 10 years ago. So during COVID, uh, I decided to pick up my paintbrush again and started painting pets. We have a couple of uh, pets in the house now. We have a cat and a little dog. And I took my paintbrush and started painting them. And I really liked the way that they came out and and how much fun I was having doing it. And my kids convinced me to start an Instagram. So I have a mom paints pets Instagram page. 
and I've been painting neighbors' dogs, and people are now asking me to paint their pets for Christmas, and I'm having a good time with that. You showed us a one of your your pieces that you did. I thought it was really awesome. I, I we just acquired a dog, and I think that my two youngest spend most of their time drawing pictures of him, so, so they'll be quite interested in seeing what you've done. Was was that a a COVID puppy that you got? No, well, it was not a COVID puppy. Uh, the family just finally wore me out and I was beaten down <laughs> and the dog arrived and I just couldn't do anything about it. I think pets are giving us a lot of joy during COVID. So I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> now, Angela, uh, I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I was very surprised to find out that you're not too far from Beth. So no. maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you grew up and and uh, where you went to school and that kind of interesting stuff. Sure. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate this. I grew up outside of Albany in a little town called Loudonville, and I went to school undergraduate in Western New York and then ended up in the tax world kind of through my beginning career path working in the state legislature for the Senate Finance Committee and then went that was a fiscal affairs committee, so we did a lot of tax revenue estimating and things like that. I was doing that right out of school. And so with part of that job, there was an opportunity to go to graduate school. And then I went to the Rockefeller College at the State University of New York at Albany. And so I had that degree and was at the Senate Finance Committee. And then once I finished graduate school, I moved to New York City to work for the Economic Development Office and then became a lobbyist for the city of New York up in the state legislature doing tax issues. So it was a, a totally different path than Beth. And it's, you know, I think it kind of shows how you can go into things not really knowing what you were doing, but that was kind of just, an, you know, when you when you get out of school you just kind of, it was an opportunity that was presented to me. I didn't really think about going into tax, but I really liked the legislature when you're in Albany. That was obviously a lot of the legislature in Albany. So that was kind of how I started. And I was interested in politics more than tax in the beginning. And now part of my job, most of my job is really tax and politics. So I've, I've combined both of my early career and, and interest. And then after working in the legislature, then I or doing the lobbying, then worked for the Motion Picture Association and doing tax policy for them. And that's how I came to meet Beth, because now AT&T, after their acquisition of Warner Brothers, and I ended up in New Jersey, mostly for my, my spouse was here. So we both ended up in New Jersey. And I'm, I'm actually closer, closer to Newark in a town called Watchung which is equally as quaint as Bethstown. Equally <laughs> quaint. I like that. <laughs> I would say probably that what Angela described would be true for many people in tax. I don't think a lot of people knew that they even wanted to be in tax when they started their career. And the world of tax and even state taxation is such a diverse, you know, wide variety of, of specialties. And you really have to see what's out there and be open to... Um, to new experiences. It's not something you're ever going to learn in school, but it's something that you get to see when you understand, you know, how you can be helpful. 
and and you learn new skills and just try new things. Yeah, that I think that's interesting. Angel's kind of described, I think, a lot of the ways that people end up in this field is just kind of naturally evolves. For you, Beth, though, did you like, was there a point when you decided that tax was going to be your thing? Yes. And that's pretty interesting, Matt, because when I said that I wanted to study accounting, I remember my parents both saying, you know, Beth, you're really a people person. Why would you want to go into accounting? Math isn't even your strong subject. And I viewed taxes as a way of helping people, that I kind of liked the structure of taxes and that I could figure that out um, and other people needed help. And I thought that that would be a way of helping people if I went into the tax world. And when I graduated from Rutgers, I was fortunate enough to get a job in public accounting. I worked for Arthur Anderson for four years and saw that most people start off learning auditing, which we did, and, and federal taxes, but the state taxation world was just getting underway uh, as yeah, a career. Yeah. And I found it fascinating. I found it fun. I found it creative uh, that you have 50 different sets of laws to work under that weren't as carved in rules as federal taxation was. Uh, and it was a way of being creative. I had an incredible mentor uh, at Arthur Anderson that I ended up working with at AT&T for many years. And, you know, it showed me the creative side of taxes and how it could be fun. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I I didn't even realize that state tax was a thing. I mean, I'd done state tax returns in public accounting before I went the law route, but I, I just had this revelatory experience where I realized, hey, this is kind of fun. You have all these different states and none of them really have well-developed laws. So you can let your creative side uh, shine a little bit. Absolutely. Angela, um, you have a lot of experience with, with state taxes. What is it about state taxes that you enjoy? Well, state taxes, we all know, is is very rewarding but it's it's very challenging especially in these times i think that you you have the state legislatures who are always looking for revenue and you have in in where i am now you you're in a position where you're trying to protect the revenues for our member companies and their businesses so one of the challenges that I've loved is to try to work with these legislatures in the tax realm and rules and legislative and advocacy to try to strike a fair balance. And we recognize that there are needs for the legislatures to increase taxes and revenues. And we recognize there are change in tax laws as the whole world changes, the whole world changes and we want to change with it. So we just want to make sure that, that there's fair representation. And that challenge has been very rewarding. And at times, obviously, as we all know, it can be very frustrating. And so it's just trying to strike that balance. And I think that's, that's what I really love about this is, is trying, when you have your successes, you realize, okay, well, we're making a difference. And 
I think we've had a very good record, and I think that we've had a very good rapport with the departments around the country and legislatures as we've moved forward and tried to address a lot of these changes in tax policy as they've been presented to us. So I find that very rewarding. Yeah, it, it, I think that is very rewarding. And I just it just triggered my memory that I, th- I think that the first time that you and I met, we were actually, uh, you know, we were representing people who were kind of on opposite sides of an issue. And it's kind of fun just to see you know, how you're able when you're in the policy world to to reach compromise and to to work together, both with competing interests as well as the the needs of the legislature. Right. And and I got to tell you, Matt, you and Beth knows this too. We have, we sometimes can't even agree within our own membership. We have <laughs> competing interests because of the diversity of all of the companies that we represent. And a lot of people say, well, there's a, a trade association, with, you know, just a few members, but obviously the business interests are quite diverse. And so trying to strike that balance you know, we always end up reaching a compromise, but obviously there are people that have differences of opinions and some members will actually acquiesce to the others and and we work to strike that balance. And things change so quickly, even within a company too, right? AT&T has had acquisitions throughout the years. That means that we have to understand industries which may have started out as telecommunications, but has um, become entertainment, has become advertising, has become, you know, many different um, forms of communication. Now, Beth, you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you you started out more kind of in the weeds with the, the actual tax function of uh, the company, and now you're in more of an external policy role. Well, what's really been fascinating, Matt, is that the way that my career has involved, yeah, I started off doing research and planning. So I would read the state laws and try to figure out how they applied to um, AT&T and to the services that we were providing or how the state laws applied to our clients when I was working in public accounting. So can you uh, tell us what you like about the policy side as as compared to kind of the research and compliance side? The policy side came at a time in my life when I was on the other side of the aisle at the same time. I had, I was an elected uh, official in our, on our um, town council, my local town council. And so I got to see what mattered to me was to continue ensuring that we had a continued thriving business community in the town of Clinton. And knowing that I cared to hear what issues were important to the businesses in our town, that I cared to attract and maintain businesses in our town to keep it a thriving community. I understood a bigger picture about what my company meant to a community. And especially now during COVID, I can see that providing broadband access and education uh, is really important. And it's not just about taxes, but it's about what we can bring to a community 
in terms of revenue to that community, in terms of resources and broadband access and education. And so I got to see what my job meant uh, from a bigger picture. Such a unique perspective, because I think that most of the time we're, you know, when we're, when we're talking policy, we're seeing it just from the, you know, the taxpayer perspective, but you kind of have a more of a global perspective because you've been on, on both sides of it. I have, and that's really the fun part. I think Angela mentioned before that to make a difference in the way that a law is written such that it meets both parties' needs. It meets the needs of state revenue, and it meets the needs of a business that's trying to um, survive in today's economy is really important and rewarding. I would love to see your households because it seems like all you guys do is compromise and meet everyone's needs. I, I just picture your households just running so smoothly. Not with a teenager in the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hear you on that. Uh, I've got three teenagers right now. Oh, boy. This is you. Uh, Angela, you have a long career and have had a lot of experience in a lot of different areas. And the, the purpose of this podcast is to not just highlight your awesome experience, but to help get advice for women who are just starting out in a career in tax or, or state tax. And I'd love to hear what advice you would have for someone who is just starting out in the field and thinking they might be interested in tax. That's a great question. I think things are a lot different now than they used to be. And, and especially in this environment, some of the advice that I would give is probably going to be for once they find a vaccine. But I, I, and I think this goes for not only tax, but I think this goes for any career is you really want to network. And I think one of the challenges as a young person starting out you have to have confidence in yourself. And even looking back, I, I probably never thought I would be where I am today, but you just kind of have to take a leap. But I, I found that I find that networking has really helped. And even if you're, let's say, in college or even in high school and thinking about going into a tax field, I think you have to talk to people. You have to not be afraid to ask a guidance counselor or a college career person for recommendations. You want to make sure you keep your nose to the grindstone, but you uh, you can't just do that. You have to, like Beth said, is is being a people person. I'm, I've been a people person all my life, and I think that that's really helped in terms of trying to f kind of things will happen for you and you let people know what you're interested in. And if you're interested in the tax field, then you may want to just reach out to uh, an organization. If there's like a CPA or you can sit in right now, there are so many things on Zoom. You can look and see what maybe free seminars or a webinar or try to get involved. You know, go if you want to go into accounting, look at one of the tax firms or things like that. What do they offer? And Internships are ideal, obviously, if you 
can get that through your counselors, that's really your foot in the door. And so you want to make sure that you have a good track record academically and that you can show an employer that you want you're committed to doing that. Because I think, especially now, well, with COVID, a lot of this is very different and, and God bless the, the kids going for jobs these days. But I do see it happening, and I know people are getting careers and, and starting out in this environment, But and it is a little different. I think things will open up, but I, I really think that networking, maintaining the confidence in yourself, and then just trying now that, as Beth said, you know, if there are interests or things that you want, just, just try to go on the internet and educate yourself if you don't have money. There are things that you can read and things like that, so that's how you're going to figure out what types of things are out there. And as I said, if there's a firm or an interest, just, you know, kind of just cold call or try to network with people if there's a local society or things like that to try to get some connections going. Yeah, I I think it's so true that sometimes we underestimate just how much people are willing to help those who are starting out. And as I've been doing this particular series on the podcast, I mean, I have just been overwhelmed with how much people who have these decade-long careers want to reach out and provide help to those who are just starting out. Absolutely. And, and universities all, all have alumni that come back and talk to their the people in the schools, and that's a, a great avenue. I mean, again, now it's, it, again, with everything virtual, I know we were having one of those sessions literally in March when it got shut down and I was going to participate in that. So there are opportunities and they they will come back. Yeah, they sure will. Now, Beth, I would also love to hear your perspective and any advice that, that you might have. Well, there are so many good things that you guys were just talking about. And I think that to people in our stages of our careers, there's probably nothing more rewarding than being able to help people that are just starting out. So never be afraid to reach out and ask questions because I actually find that very rewarding to be able to help someone um, who is just starting. And, you know, I liken the world as it is today and all the things that are happening to a forest fire. And a lot of the old ways of doing things are burning, right? It's, it's just things are changing so quickly. Uh, and what happens to a forest after a fire is that there is fertile soil for new things to grow. And I think that young people today are very well equipped to be ready to be that change. And when I say that, I mean, they're ready with technology, they're ready with flexibility, they're ready with new ways of learning that we didn't have when we were younger. They have you know, access to edu- online education that we didn't have um, and, and helping each other uh, and social media, you know, to sort of make change quickly. Within the tax field, I would say to be open to new opportunities. I think that the jobs of five years from now are things that we don't even envision today. That's how quickly things change. But from a personal perspective, I think there are some time-honored characteristics like enthusiasm, being ready to show up and do your best each day, 
being able to answer questions, finding fun in your day, being part of a team. And then beyond that, how do you fit within your community? What are you doing to give back to your community? What is your company doing to be a part of its community? And when you see your role in the bigger picture, I think that that's pretty rewarding and it helps with networking. It helps understand what other people do. It makes you more well-rounded and kind of makes your day more fun. Yeah. And if you do those things with sincerity, all the positive benefits of networking and you know, getting to meet new people and have new experiences, those, those just come naturally. I would say another thing that's really important, a new skill set today that's more important than ever, is learning how to structure your day. We used to have structure built into our day, right? With a, a commute and a set of working hours uh, that had a beginning and an end and natural ways of communicating with people that we work with on our team. And now I think it would be helpful to sort of have a vision board of things that make you happy and know that you're setting aside time each day to make sure that you do your work during this period of time and that you are able to accomplish other things during these sets of times and a lot time for downtime for yourself, but make sure that that doesn't overtake your day as, you know, say time on your phone can, can quickly over, overtake your day if you don't set that structure for yourself. You know, I, I needed to hear that advice because I'm a total disaster right now with, with COVID and it's not unusual for me to find myself working at like 11 o'clock at night and, you know, just being like, where'd my day go? Why am I here? Hmm. You know, cause I'm, I'm working at home and normally, you know, I, I'd be looking at my clock saying, okay, the traffic's died down. It's time to go home. But now I don't have that natural rhythm other than the kids yelling at me to come, you know, be a dad to them. <laughs> but I, I think that's just great advice. Angela, uh, I, I think we almost let you off the hook without having you tell us something about yourself that would be surprising to those that know you. Okay, this would be a shock to people. And it's going way back. So I used to play intramural hockey in college. Go Are figure. you serious? Yeah. Wow. I played hockey in college too. <laughs> and I went ice hockey. Ice hockey. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. Ice hockey, not field hockey. As far as I'm concerned, that's the only kind. Yeah. But, well, uh... <laughs> I went to school in upstate New York, and that's all there was in in the middle the middle of winter. So I picked that up because that's what everybody was playing at my school. So. Never went anywhere, but it was something fun to do. So, and are you able to uh, still play? Uh no, no. I just, I really just played for about a year. That was it. Okay. But I, I started. I was always an ice skater, so that's what got me into it. I, I grew up in Alaska, and my parents, according to them, I was too rambunctious, and so when I was four, they put me in hockey, and uh, so I played all the way through college. And uh, I'm afraid that if I were to go out and try to play right now, that my brittle bones would just break. <laughs> the fact oh, that no, you I grew don't... up in Alaska is something I didn't know about you, Matt. 
Yeah, yeah, I actually went to to school up there, and uh, I I'm trying to think. I was probably 24 or 25 when I left. I'm actually licensed to practice law in Alaska, and I, I feel bad for my wife because the the plan when I was going to leave law school was to go back to Alaska. Um, I'd been working with my father in, in a CPA practice that he had up there, and uh, the idea was just to to get the legal stuff that we were referring out. And um, so my wife and I went up there after law school in like the dead of winter. I worked a tax season of compliance. She was deathly ill from morning sickness with being pregnant. And then we took the Alaska bar together and I went on to clerk at the U.S. tax court. We never went back. So my poor wife went through all of that, the dark, cold winter, being sick, living with her in-laws, getting her Alaska bar license, and then we never went back. That's love. (laughs) It it, it is. Well, thanks so much, both of you, for taking time out of your day to do something that's not in your job description and to give back to the next generation of of folks that are getting started in this field. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And, you know, if people want to reach out, feel free to share our information. Oh, absolutely. No, thank you so much for having us on. I love the idea of being able to help new people just starting out and would always make myself available for anyone who has questions. Excellent. Well, I will put your information in the show notes and including the Instagram pet drawing link so that people can take a look at that. Don't quit your day job though, Beth. No, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you two take care and we'll catch up again later. Thank Thank you you for having us on, Matt. Well, that was a lot of fun for me and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. I've got a list of future guests on the show. But if there is someone that you really want to hear from, just drop me a line and I'll do my best to make it happen. I'll be back next Monday. Until then, have yourselves a great week. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.